I'm Amanda. I'm Jesse. In this podcast, we talk about the joys of motherhood as well as the experiences that have altered us along the way. We've created a safe space to talk about the hard and unconventional alongside the beauty, and we want you to feel confident in the decisions that you make as a mother. Welcome to the Motherhood Collective Co. Let's talk. Welcome back to the Motherhood Collective Co. Um, we are super excited to be recording another episode. Jesse and I actually haven't recorded in a month, so yeah, we've both been out of state and traveling and super busy, but we're excited to be back and to be giving you guys more knowledge and yeah. things to arm your motherhood journey with. Yes, we are wrapping up our Raising Our Children Without Shame series. Today we are talking about body image and diet culture. Um and this is something that is really important to both of us. Um, I think it's something that has been kind of a common theme, at least with a lot of people that I've met and talked to who are our age, um, who have kind of dealt with this maybe kind of generationally or culturally. Yeah, I feel like growing up in the early 2000s when you would have to shave your pubic hair to wear jeans you know because everything was so low cut and having any body fat was like really looked down upon yeah we also grew up in like the magazine generation you know Mm -hmm. where headlines were about people gaining weight or losing weight and I think that a lot of us um, millennials have pretty messed up body dysmorphia and relationships to food so it's a problem that we don't want to pass on to our children for sure Yes, I think it's super important. And whether you're raising boys or girls, yeah, truly, it doesn't matter. Yeah. This stuff is still important. Um, so kind of starting this off, like how many times have you heard somebody say, like, I can't eat dessert today, I need to be good, or I'll just get a salad, um, I can't have that many more carbs today, or I need to go work out if I want to eat this meal or earn this meal. Um, and we've kind of like, in some context, make it kind of playful like the turkey trot or like before Thanksgiving we need to make sure we're working out a ton um and just kind of normalizing like skipping meals trying to lose weight juice cleanses to try to like you know drop that extra weight before a vacation and like you said I think a lot of us have grown up hearing these things from people Mm -hmm. that we really love and trust and so it has just been kind of confusing learning to like navigate the world like that yeah and I think like it's going to be a lot harder to train that stuff out of our head, but we need to watch the things we say in front of our children for sure. Yeah. Um, but coming at you with some stats here. So children can begin to worry about their body and weight and physical appearance as early as the age of four. Four years old. so sad. Noah is almost four. That freaks me out. 24% of three to five-year-olds express unhappiness about their bodies. 47% of children ages 6 to 10 have anxiety about their body image. More than half of girls and one-third of boys ages 6 to 8 say that their ideal weight is to be thinner than they actually are. By age 7, a fourth of children have attempted some sort of dieting behavior. That is horrific. And 87% of female actresses on TV ages 10 to 17 are underweight. Yeah, that is crazy because that's what they're consuming and that's what they're watching and looking at and it's not real. Like they're not at a healthy weight. And I think when we look at our children, we think they're so perfect, right? Um, And we don't give ourselves that same grace. Mm -hmm. We don't, we we are very hypercritical of our bodies and I am and I'm sure, you know, everybody listening to this kind of is too. I hope not. Maybe there's a few of you, but yeah. 
Yeah, diet culture just by definition is a rigid set of cultural and social expectations alongside ingrained systems and beliefs that convince us to value a certain physique or type of body over our physical health and emotional well-being. So like I kind of alluded to earlier, diet culture can kind of be easily disguised by the promotion of health and wellness. Like I kind of said about Mm -hmm. the, the turkey trot, it's like, this is a good thing for you. And it's like, yes, yeah, that's probably a good thing for you. But also your, your point behind it is doing it so that I can go enjoy a meal later. Yeah. Um, and so it can kind of be like disguised as something that's actually good for our bodies, but it's always promoting no matter what you look like, you can always be thinner, smaller, or more in shape. And it's usually promoting some kind of fad diet Mm -hmm. or a complete elimination of certain food groups completely. Yeah. And I think that um, we definitely need to be giving our kids an example of what it looks like to be healthy. And we're going to talk about it a little later on in the episode of like how to promote healthy eating habits. And because like, no, we don't want our kids to be binge eating sugar and to be unhealthy. You know what I mean? Like that's not the goal here. But the goal is to give them healthy habits with a healthy mindset behind them. So most of us really are exposed to diet culture and body image issues really on early on in life, like Jesse and I were talking about earlier, but children observe everything. And while some are alerted to diet culture simply through like the ways that their families and friends restrict snacks and calories, others are exposed through the incessant criticism over their bodies of the people closest to them. Um, So it's not always coming from you and you you do need to combat that. This usually comes in the form of self-criticism in a parent, a caretaker, or a friend that is observed by a child. And it can also come in the form of social media. Yeah. Um, For me, I mean, I had lots of women in my life growing up that they just wanted to look good and feel good. But it was always like the diet pill or Slim Fast Mm -hmm. or Atkins diet. I mean, I can think of like. Yeah. (laughs) Keto. Yeah. All of that stuff. And I can remember from a very young age, my mom looking at herself in the mirror and pointing out all the things she Mm -hmm. didn't like about herself, you know? Yeah. Um, But children really do internalize what they witness and their realities while they are young become the lens through which they view the world and its unfoldings for their entire life. Yeah, I'm huge on that. I'm always, you guys have heard me talk about that so many times, but we are the ones who are like laying out the foundation for which they will see the rest of their world. So when you're raising these little children and you're in the mirror talking about all this stuff or like it could even be a comment in passing, like I feel so this today or... Mm -hmm these pants make me feel this way like your little humans that are observing you are like oh so we're supposed to do x y and z when we don't feel good we're supposed to talk down to ourselves or if she looks like that you know that's what I've kind of done sometimes where like I see somebody that's talking badly about their body and I think they're like gorgeous so I'm like okay if they think that they are (laughs) heavy or they think that they're whatever it is then that must mean that like I'm really like far off you know I I saw something on Instagram a few days ago and I really loved it it was talking about it was a reel and it was just a mom holding her baby and she's like I I read this fact the other day that for the you know over the first few years of your child's life you literally become their internal voice Mm. like what they hear in their head the way they think in their head for the rest of their lives they always hear you 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 program that totally so that's exactly what you were just saying but it's just like it hits you hard because we don't think about that and I don't think anybody makes comments on their bodies in front of their children to be harmful but we do need to definitely be watching what we're doing that was something that Chase and I had said that we were going to be really I just asked him for accountability with that because Mm -hmm. I just like I don't even think I realize it sometimes and it's not only exclusive to like what you look like and what you're wearing it's the foods that you're consuming so it's like 
you know, you go out to eat with your children and you make one of those comments, like I alluded to earlier, where it's like, oh, I didn't work out today, so I'm not going to get dessert. Or you start kind of like taught, like speaking about food as if there's some that's like super good and some that's super bad and kind of putting like a label on food groups in general it could even be like gluten or dairy (laughs) and like those things are the devil and then your children you know want to go have even like a smoothie or something and they're like oh it has milk in it or you know this might have it's just it's such a slippery slope when you start making these things a bigger deal than they are and again we're going to talk a little bit later about how you to actually talk about those things in a way that isn't destructive but that is like that's literally what creates like binge eating so for for us, Noah really likes sweets. He comes by that honestly because I have a massive <laughs> mm-hmm. sweet tooth. Um, but I don't ever want to demonize the food mm-hmm. because I, as soon as he's away from me, he's just going to binge on it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's definitely yeah. not the goal, even if mm-hmm. something is unhealthy. So we are mm-hmm. going to talk about how to I did have those. like a little check with myself the other day because I gave Sunny some gummies, like some fruit snacks. And she shoved like five in her mouth at once. And I and she was like, more, more. And I was like, hmm, I just checked in with myself. I'm like, have I been like limiting these things too much that now when she gets them, she's like, give me more. I need to, you know, um, it was kind of just like a good check in for me. I'm like, OK, maybe I should have just offered this with her lunch instead of making this something that happens after she eats her lunch. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like outside of our influence too. It's obvious that we can't control how our children are going to consume outside information and influences from outlets like social media and the entertainment industry when it comes to beauty standards. But we are called to protect our children and to teach our children in our own homes regarding their bodies, food, and their perceptions of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so social media, every single thing that you witness on social media is being individually processed and stored by some part of your brain. And every repetitive suggestion of looking a certain way, eating a certain way, being a certain way, it becomes a part of our belief systems. I've, <laughs> I don't really subscribe to cancel culture. So that's not what I'm about to say. But I have unfollowed a lot of people mm-hmm. on Instagram because um, one, like if they're over edited or they're constantly talking about weight loss or if they just yeah. make me feel bad about myself right. or like they're, they're living in a standard in which I could not uphold. Yeah. I definitely, I cut that out. It's good to have those boundaries. Like yeah. there's those trends right now on TikTok and social media that's, you know, like what I eat in a day and they use these like trending sounds about being skinnier or I like idolizing models like Bella Hadid who have like, they're who's tiny yeah. <laughs> and kind of like buying into this obsession over what you're eating and kind of over-representing the idolization of people who are thin and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think this also goes – sorry, this is a total side note, but I think that also goes with, like, you you follow these people because they're super healthy on Instagram, right? Right. I follow a lot of those people. They they are really good examples. They give a lot of information. Um, But I have literally had conversations or went out to eat or done something with one of these people – where they're eating something one day, right? And the next day they're like, this is what I eat in a day. And I'm thinking in my head, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. Like, why Yeah. Why are you lying? Why yeah. does that, Why do you need to make yourself look healthier mm-hmm. on Instagram? Because of what you're doing is you're, you're creating shame yeah. around what people are eating. So, right, because that's like a picture of someone's day. It's not yeah. there like every – and I'm sure it's a day that they're going to choose to like – who knows if that's even everything that they ate that day? Like no, everything it's is just not. it never you is. Have to like be skeptical Don't and not to mention that like seventy percent of women and fifty percent of men, millennial aged, report editing their pictures that they post on social media. So this yeah. isn't even just like these eating videos that are probably half truths. It's like 
these pictures, that is over half confirmed. Those are the people who are willing to admit that they edit their videos and their pictures. (laughs) So it's probably even more than that. Like you can pretty much assume that everything you're looking at has been edited to some degree. Yeah, it's, you know? it's a bizarre alien world. It's not the real world. Mm-hmm. You can be on there and understand that people don't like owe you their full truth. That's fine. But also just take everything with a grain of salt. Because, yeah. But, but, but yeah, we can do so that too. as adults. But our children, I no. think, they, they literally cannot. They their don't have the capacity to compute that. No, they don't. Um, so and I, we only have, you know, our kids are toddlers. So I don't know how to control that and it's gonna I think it's just gonna keep getting worse it by is. the time our kids absolutely are older I absolutely refuse to let Noah have any kind of social media mm-hmm, same. at least until 16 and then I'll maybe talk about it yeah. but I, mean, I hope until after that yeah no they can hate us all they want yeah when their brains are a little more developed we can have that kind yeah, of conversation, that conversation for sure um, yeah, because children are accessing social media younger and younger as their brain is in their most formative developmental years and they're witnessing fake photos and videos online and etching the impossible into their brains as a standard for their mm-hmm. actual real life bodies. Yeah, that makes me so sad. Yeah, me too. Um, there are, if you are, if you do have like older kids, I plan on getting Noah because like when I was in third grade, my best friend and I could not stay off the phone with each other. We were talking all the time. Um, hey, Casey, if you're listening. <laughs> so, like, I definitely want to have, because we don't have home phones, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of a non-existent thing anymore. I definitely want to give Noah the opportunity to connect with his friends in that way through, yeah. like, calling and stuff. So there are phones. Um, the light phone has absolutely, like, no scrolling. It doesn't, it, it's, it looks like a Kindle, like, hmm. paper light. And you can put music on there so they can have, oh, like, an, yeah, so go. they can listen to their music. There's an alarm clock on there. What more could you need? And then you can call and text. And I think some Something like that is great. Or the Gab phone. But you yeah, got Yeah, the Gab. I've heard of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've heard of those phones. And I think that they would be really beneficial. Because, I mean, we grew up in the world of flip phones that we didn't even really get until we were in high school. Yeah. Um, and I think our generation was really, like, the last one to grow up without social media. Um, and I just think that that, yeah, it's so daunting. And even the other day, like, Chase and I were sitting on our bed and I was just kind of, like showing him some of these TikToks that I was watching and there's a lot of people who will like expose themselves and like go behind the scenes of like this is what this video can look like if I edit it versus this is like the raw edited version I don't know if you guys have ever seen any of those um but we actually like downloaded this video editing app took a video of me and then started like messing around with it and by the end of it like we're looking at this video that's like my face and that's pretty much it like barely even my face But you can hardly tell at all that it's been completely like we tried to distort it as much as we possibly could. And it's like it didn't really even change the quality of the video. And it was just kind of alarming, I think, for both of us when we just took a step back and we're like, we know the reality of this situation because we just took the raw video (laughs) and we just edited it. But at the same time, it's like your brain, the more that it watches that video, it's like trying to compute it as real. Yeah, I have and it's weird. a really awesome woman for you guys to follow. I think you pronounce her name Danae. It's D-A-N-A-E, Mercer, M-E-R-C-E-R. I've been following her since after I had Noah because mm-hmm. um, I think postpartum is a really vulnerable time where you're comparing mm-hmm. yourself a lot. And her entire Instagram is like calling out influencers and not calling them out, but she shows you like what goes into these influencers, the way they look, the posing that mm-hmm. goes behind them, the editing apps, exactly like you're talking about. Um, and I just absolutely love her page. So if you want to follow, I, I made a, like a, a point 
to follow real people on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I follow a lot of women with like acne. Yeah. Um, and like the actual sh- actually show real texture mm-hmm. on their skin. But she's a really great one. So she's Danae Mercer, yeah. D-A-N-A-E. That sounded so funny. I M-E-R. follow a lot of people with acne. <laughs> I do because everything is so photoshopped. So no, I make it's sure so true. I have like a big healthy dose of like real actual yeah. people on my Instagram. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of what Chase and I were talking about. It's like, okay, so... I've always considered myself like very self-confident like I really like the kind of person that I am for most of my life until I was postpartum I like loved how my body looked um still working on that right now but I feel like um for me like how much if I look at these things and I'm still struggling like with the thought of these other girls being so much thinner or whatever it is their hair their makeup you know comparing myself and like how much more so for somebody who a might not be self-confident to begin with or b might not have had the kind of childhood I had where these things were so like far from the thought of my brain while I was develop like developing as a child and I had all that time to like you know truly know what it meant to love yourself and be someone that you're proud of like how much more so for a little child who's like barely has any developmental like capacity Mm -hmm. to compute any of this and may or may not even really like themselves to begin with like it's just yeah it's 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 starkly different the childhood that our children have versus us starkly different we're the last generation to have like what I consider a normal childhood that isn't so deep into social media but and it's it's weird and it's hard because like how do we protect them from that we're still trying to figure it out as we go it's a constant conversation um and I'm gonna tell you guys something and this is not a conspiracy theory but the diet industry is a 71 billion dollar industry i want like that to sink in yeah what is a billion dollars times that by 71 mm-hmm. i don't think that's a, a number that most of our brains can compute yeah. um and it, it really depends on the generational cycles of body insecurity so that it can continue to grow like yeah. it depends on you feeling bad about yourself mm-hmm. Um, and kind of bets on it. Yeah. If you don't, they don't make money. Yeah. Um, they want us to believe that health is directly tied to a specific weight and body type. Now, if you know me, I've been, I'm pretty thin, right? Like I've, oh, yeah. I've been thin my whole life. Mm-hmm. I, I'm heavy, you know, I, <laughs> no, I am like, okay. So if in my normal weight, how much do you think I weigh? This is not going to offend like me. Like 120 this, pounds. Okay. So in seventh grade okay this is seventh grade mm-hmm. all my friends were like 100 pounds right yeah. wet and i looked as just as skinny as them i had mm-hmm. the same size pants but they would do you remember them weighing us in gym class oh my yeah, gosh so scary it was mortifying um and my kid is like this too we're just solid i weighed 125 pounds mm-hmm. in seventh grade i just have no i honestly just don't know what that means like, it's just well you know when my friends we both wear you know the same size jeans and my friend's 100 pounds and i'm 125 pounds yeah so instantly i'm like well I'm, i must be fat hmm. right right it wasn't until pregnancy that i really disconnected the number of my weight like the number on the scale from what i look like because hmm. it is not related anyways um the, the diet industry wants you to keep buying products and paying for programs that are going to keep you entrenched in your insecurities forever um and they want you to buy into diet culture mm-hmm. and that usually involves restricting or eliminating foods in an extremely unhealthy and regimented way um and enforces an unhealthy relationship with food restriction can be physically and psychologically damaging and it can result in a variety of health problems it will 
also almost inevitably lead to compensatory binging, leading to a binge and restrict cycle, yeah. or result in more and more extreme restriction. So yeah. that's eating disorders totally. is what we're saying. Yeah. I've experienced that plenty of times Me where too. I'm like, okay, for the next two months, I'm cutting out sugar, gluten, mainly it's always sugar and gluten. But I think what's hard with that, it's like then the lines get blurred and I'm like drinking a smoothie and I'm like, well, this is like a lot of sugar, but it's not like added sugar, but like, is it? And then like later you're like, well, I already like had sugar. And then it just turns into this like shame cycle where you're like, well, I couldn't give up like sugar. And then you demonize, I've demonized gluten and sugar to a degree where I'm like, I don't know if I can even enjoy. I was talking to Eli on the phone a couple days ago and I'm like, I just wish I knew less sometimes because I've spent so much of my time like demonizing certain foods my whole life that it's not even enjoyable now. Yeah. The whole time I'm eating one of those things, I'm like, I shouldn't be eating this. This is bad. And let me tell you something about our our country. Our <laughs> The things that are taught to us in school about food, it's literally paid for by like our agricultural system. So... The dairy mm. industry pays the FDA to put their product on our food pyramid. So does like the wheat industry. So like those are so it's you're literally just being fed through money. Yeah. Um, so I think the biggest problem in our country is that people don't actually know what's healthy for them. Yeah. We don't have access to like solid information. And it's really hard. so tainted or through the lens of like you said what's monetized. Um, but we'll talk about you know, later about intuitive eating, I think that's the answer, yeah. um, listening to your body. But um, what I find interesting is that this is also, like, treated very differently amongst boys versus girls, mm-hmm. amongst young versus old. And I think it's interesting, like, we celebrate a teenage boy eating everything in sight, and then we shame a teenage girl who would do the exact same mm-hmm. thing. Um, or, like, we celebrate adults losing weight, no matter what's happening in their life. And we shame adults for gaining weight, no matter what's happening in their life. Um, we celebrate a baby loving her first birthday smash cake. And we shame a six-year-old who wants a second piece of cake at a birthday party. Um, we celebrate a pregnant woman's body, but we shame Ugh. a postpartum woman's yeah. body, which I think we're getting better about societally. I think there's a lot more awareness being drawn. I think we're getting better on Instagram. I don't know if we're getting better in real life. Yeah, maybe on Instagram. People (laughs) are like being a little bit more real about what their postpartum bodies look like. But then there's also people who, you know, post their pictures that are like five days postpartum and they're in their jeans again. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Are are you serious? Um, Yeah. So I don't know. I think postpartum is definitely a a struggle yeah let's sure. talk about that a little bit because yeah. I know we've had a lot of women say talk a little bit more about yeah it. <laughs> we've had a lot of you reach out and talk about this and yeah. ask us to talk about it and I think Amanda and I have had pretty different experiences mm-hmm. because I think I alluded to it earlier but I think I've spent my entire life like idolizing my body I was always like the <laughs> this sounds so like catty I don't know but I was <laughs> I feel like I was always a girl that everyone was like oh my gosh like how are you so tiny or how are you so this and what do you do and I had a little like crop top wedding dress like my wedding dress was literally like a crop top and then a skirt and my belly was showing and just stuff like that where my whole wardrobe was like crop tops and you know high-waisted shorts and I always could count on like even if I was having a bad day or a bad skin day bad hair day whatever it was I was like well at least I know I'm gonna like look good in whatever I put on Mm -hmm. And I'm, like, just now able to, like, 
kind of admit that because now I'm on the other side of postpartum. I gained like 50 pounds with my pregnancy with Sunny, which I've heard a lot of people do that. Yeah, I was um, 45. So yeah. yeah so I think fine. when people are honest about what they gain during pregnancy, I think it's a lot more than what we think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really struggled with like, I wasn't just pregnant in my belly. Like I was pregnant in my thighs and my nose and my arms. And I was like, this is like a lot for me. I've never gained weight. I was like pretty much the same weight my entire life. Even when I went into college for basketball and we started lifting weights, I called my mom crying one night because I was like, my arms feel so big. Like I was starting to like gain muscle and I, I didn't even like the feeling of that. Um, but yeah, I think postpartum has been really hard for me because it's been like two, two and a half years and I still just like have not granted. I haven't like tried my hardest to get back to where I was before because at one point we were trying to get pregnant and I was nursing for two years and it's like there's all these things where you're like I don't think I should push myself too hard because I don't want to lose my milk supply or I don't want to mess with my hormones like hit workouts and hormones are not friends if you didn't know that (laughs) um so just stuff like that where I've been trying to like give myself grace but it's a really hard mental battle because I feel like I lost a part of my identity yeah because I put my identity in my body Mm -hmm. and my old clothes and I don't know I think like what brings me solace sometimes is like eventually when we're done having kids I think I could you know get back to a place where I just feel good about myself yeah but that's all I really want to get back to not like it's unrealistic to think I will be like my college self again where I was working out for like five hours a day yeah birth changes you let me just say that nobody I don't care who you are Um, you could be so tiny even after you give birth. Your body's never going to go back to what it was before you gave birth. It's not supposed yeah. to. Right. It's not intended to. Mm-hmm. Your body has a different function now. Yeah. Um, you have different priorities. You could still look you could still look beautiful, but your body's not gonna look the same. Yes. So please don't put that yeah, that idea in your head. I had a really opposite experience than Jesse because I grew up um <laughs> I grew up with very skinny, tiny mom and my aunt who is basically my mom um and they're gorgeous and they never liked their bodies and they were just um they're so amazing and I love them and I don't blame them for that because they grew you know they were postpartum in the 90s yeah and that was not a fun time to be postpartum I'm sure body positivity was not a thing no um so I and I I look different than my mom. My mom is very petite, um, narrow shoulders, like, you know, rounded hips. She looks very feminine. I have my dad's body type. I have very broad Same. shoulders. <laughs> yeah. I have a very narrow pelvis, um, so I'm not very curvy, and I've been very skinny my whole life, um, and I was always, you know, not that anybody told me I looked like a boy. I always felt like I looked like a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it really took a turn when I was getting fitted for a cheerleading uniform and the lady who was fitting me commented on my broad shoulders. She said those words and my little hips. Mm. (laughs) So like I have had really bad body dysmorphia my entire life. Brady will still catch me like, oh, my shoulders look too big in this. And he's, you know, we've got a safe word for that. Um, but it wasn't until I became pregnant because watching myself become pregnant first, it was like. I loved it because mm-hmm. I felt more feminine. It was like mm-hmm. the first time in my life I'm like, this is a feminine body and, and I really like boobs. this. Boobs <laughs> and your hips kind of round a little bit because yeah. your body is storing extra fat mm-hmm. because it knows it's about to do something really hard. Um, and then after I had Noah, I don't remember 
looking at my body much after I had no I was so traumatized and I was in the thick of PTSD and I told Jesse this I have a really hard time remembering the first few months after Noah was born yeah like I have I took hundreds of pictures you know so I'm so thankful for that I can go back and remember what he looked like but I don't have a lot of memory of how I felt about my body postpartum but I do remember that for the first time in my life when I hit postpartum this thing clicked in my brain and I no longer took care of my body to make it look a certain way I took care of my body for it to feel yeah a certain way that's a big difference it is because I started going to the gym and it wasn't um I'm going to the gym to lose this weight or to tone my stomach it's I literally wanted because after I had Noah um I had a really bad reaction for my epidural and my c-section I had drop foot so my left leg wouldn't work a lot so like carrying him was really hard shutting I had a forerunner which if you've ever had a forerunner they're so cute but gosh they're not functional (laughs) and shutting that trunk was so hard Mm so and we lived in an apartment and I have to push everything up three flights of stairs so my goal of going to the gym was I want to get my kids and my groceries and shut the trunk door (laughs) you know it was like honestly a functional goal and I have never went back to that old way of thinking of Mm. I want my body to look a certain way. It is literally I want my body to feel a certain way. And because that was my focus, I got into the – it took years. I There are – I'm pregnant now. There are three and a half. There will be almost four years between Noah and my daughter. But – um, so I had a lot of time to work on this, but I got in the best shape of my life postpartum. Mm-hmm. And it was because I started actually loving my yeah. body for what it does for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we handled our birth trauma differently in that sense too. Yeah. Like you kind of, I remember us talking and you were like, I'm also like training now to get in shape for my next birth. Yeah. Whereas like, I think my birth trauma sent me into this like spiral of depression. Mm-hmm. And then I think the miscarriages sent me into another like I think I was just like spending so much time depressed that like I felt no like goal I I couldn't like see past the present enough to be like oh I would want to get in shape you know for x y and z so I think that's I think we handled birth trauma differently too yeah and I think that there's no one way that your brain is going to operate after you give birth so give yourself grace and also it takes time yeah (laughs) it took me um, two years of lifting five times a week because again I wanted to be strong yeah. but to put on five pounds of muscle and my goal was always to be heavier every time I stepped on the scale which was a yeah. huge shift because when yeah. I was younger I got that 125 pounds and my mm-hmm. friends were 105 yeah. and all I wanted to do was be 105 yeah I know that is such a shift it is you have to but shift postpartum is hard and like your hormones are changing and if you t- if you breastfeed for a long time too mm-hmm. like your body does hold on to extra weight. It does. Um, there were like 15 pounds that I think my, I never lost from birth until I like weaned Sunny. And now I'm like, okay, I could like, I haven't weighed myself, but I'm like, I just feel like I need to like spend more time toning or like mm-hmm. lifting or whatever. But there was this part of me that when I was working out, I was like going to Orange Theory when I was breastfeeding and I was like, um, I feel like I'm getting into better shape, but no matter how hard I work out, there's like this amount of weight that I cannot lose and I think it's from nursing like yeah. you said your body holds on to a certain amount of it because it's trying to it like upkeep to. your milk supply you it takes more energy for your body to feed your child than it does to run like to make your heart beat yeah so you're giving the majority of your body's energy to feeding your child through breast milk and that your body is smart and mm-hmm. it holds on to fat so that it can do that. So please don't put too much pressure on yourself. Yeah. Um, and I, even I, cause I breastfed Noah for 22 months mm-hmm. and um, it wasn't until I totally stopped breastfeeding him and my milk dried up that I was like, Oh, this, 
actually does kind of look like what I looked like before. Like my arms, especially. <laughs> right. Like right. everything upper body. Um, but yeah, it's just there's no – your body's not going to do what your friend's body does. And mm-hmm. it, everybody's different. It's yeah. so different. And the hormone fluctuations. and. But if you are trying to get healthy, like first you need to learn – like what food is actually good. You know what I mean? Like you need to do a deep dive in what makes you feel good. We'll talk a little bit about that with intuitive eating. And also like cardio is not the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> if you're like wanting to be healthy, you're wanting to feel good, you're wanting to function well, you're wanting um, to, you know, you're wanting to see some changes in the mirror, you have to start resistance training and lifting. Cardio is not going to give it to you. It's going to mess up your hormones. It might decrease your milk supply. And yeah. you're not going to – you're not going to gain muscle and feel strong. Yeah. And it'll take longer to see results if, you know, trying to get, lose a little bit of weight is your goal. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a fine goal. We're not sitting here saying your goal shouldn't be to lose weight. Right. It's more we're talking about how to actually talk about that in a healthy yes. way. Yes. Yeah. And how to make it more of a long-term thing, like you said. Yeah. Um. So what can we do? What can we, we do? We know that, like, you know, we're a big influence on our children in regarding all of this like we talked about social media you know they'll see other things they'll hear other things but what can we do as parents um to kind of be on guard mm-hmm. you know we have what five six things yeah you go I think the biggest thing is to watch your words we've said that time and time again but you need to focus on avoiding saying anything that's negative about your body or your appearance in front of your children Um, you know, saying things like, I can't eat this because it'll make me fat or I look so fat in this because when a child has a mom who's unhappy with her body, they are much, much, much more likely to be dissatisfied with their own, like we've talked about. So really try to show confidence in your body in front of your kids. And don't ever comment on your children's body. Yes. Ever. Yes. Ever. I don't care if they're adult children and you're telling them how skinny they are. Don't do it. Mm -mm. Just don't. You look so happy. You look so healthy. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, not you it look so skinny fire, or yeah. your butt is getting big. Yes. Those are comments that have been made to me in the last six months yeah. and I don't mm-hmm. like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, here going to the next point, don't focus on looks. Mm-hmm. Avoid talking about other people's appearances and bodies. I think this is hard because I think human nature is to judge other people. Um, yeah. Like it's how we know who's in our group and who's outside of our group. And that's like a survival skill that we learned, you know, from long ago. But right. avoid doing that yeah you know even when it's positive and like you go to see your friend we've talked about this before and it's like the first thing you say is like oh my gosh your hair oh my gosh your sweatshirt oh my gosh your nails you know and it's like okay and my daughter is standing right next to me and now all of a sudden she's internalizing okay so what we notice about people is how they look and then we comment on Mm -hmm. that so also what people are noticing about me is how I look so like I need to work on being presentable enough for people to comment on and remember and and it's like this whole cycle that like is broken by the time you're able to just say, hey, you look so happy or like, you know, what? Just say I'm happy to see you. I'm happy to see you. I've <laughs> missed you. Or like, yeah. you know, thank you for your your kind words over your text earlier today. Like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I think that's probably. I think another really dangerous time when we leave a social interaction and my husband and I have caught ourselves doing this. So we're not perfect. We're not sitting here preaching to you saying we're perfect. No. Um, we get in the car. Noah's buckled in. We get in the car. Yeah. Did you see? You know what I mean? You start yeah, talking to your husband. Totally. Because I mean, sometimes it is shocking when you see someone, they look totally different mm-hmm. and that could be shocking. It could flag something's going on. You might think that something's wrong, yeah. but you get in the car. Did you see 
Betsy. I don't know a Betsy. Mm-hmm. But did you see Betsy put on like 25 mm-hmm. pounds or her, her, you know, whatever it is. Right. Be very mindful of what you say when you get in the car. Yeah. Um, avoid complimenting your children on appearance alone. We kind of touched on that. Um, but even now, like especially because I have a little boy and I have that tendency, like when I see Sunny, oh, you look so cute. I you know. know what I mean? She's yeah. a little girl in her little princess right. dress. Like I love it. And mm-hmm. I, I have to bite my tongue. Like right. it's an actual conscious effort to not compliment mm-hmm. her on her looks when right. she comes in my door. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have that with little boys. I know. It's true. Because <laughs> like you right. never, like when I when I hear people compliment Noah, it's like, oh, you're so fast. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, and mm-hmm. we need to speak to little girls that way too. I know. That's a good point. I haven't even noticed that. <laughs> Yeah. No, I literally have to bite my tongue with your daughter because she is so freaking cute, but not what we're trying to do. Um, But speak instead to how kind or talented or brave, funny, hardworking or fast they are instead. Like talk about like empowering things. Mm -hmm. 100%. Totally. Um, And then just focusing on, this is point number three, focus on healthy habits. So we can emphasize things like moving our bodies and eating nourishing foods over you know, punishing our bodies through exercise or eating like what is only good yeah. food. Um, so what's nourishing to our bodies? Like what I've been trying to talk to Sunny about is, you know, she wants something that is super sugary and I'm like, yeah, we can totally have that. Like that tastes so good, but what is going to make our bellies feel like full and nourished that can yeah. be that we like, cause sugar is so yummy, but sometimes it like makes your belly hurt. And mm-hmm. if you eat too much of it, you know, you don't feel that well. And then we can kind of talk through, like, what could we have that would also be, like, really filling? So I'm not, like, demonizing the food, but I'm also, like, trying to steer her in a direction of nourishment. Yeah. Um, yeah. First. And I think when you're talking about food yourself, this is so powerful. Because there are times when I'm, like, I had too much sugar yesterday and I have a pounding headache. Mm-hmm. Um, because sugar, I, I'm very sensitive to sugar and I like it a lot. <laughs> so, like, when... Even the smoothie we just yeah. drank, I'm, like, oh, that was a lot of sugar. A lot. So the next day, if I'm trying to avoid sugar, I'm not going to say, oh, I can't have any sugar today. I'm just going to say, oh, you know, that, that treat we ate yesterday made my body feel not yeah. so good. So I'm going to try and eat something that's going to make me feel strong today. Yeah. Um, but I think that's how you talk about food. Mm-hmm. You can avoid food because it's bad. I and mean, that's not what we're saying. Like, right. there are definitely things you should avoid eating a lot of. Yeah. Um, we shouldn't be having a whole sleeve of Oreos every day for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Probably not a good thing. Right. But we don't have to talk about it in a way that's going to make us fat. Talk about how it makes your body feel. Yeah. And it's the exact same thing, like, with my postpartum experience. How do I feel and how do I function over how do I look? Yeah. How does this food make me feel? How does it make me function? Not mm-hmm. how does it make me look? Yeah. That's good. Point number four, scan their toys. Um, and this is not only a girl problem because I know the first thing that pops in my head is like Barbie doll. So do your children play with dolls and toys that have unrealistic muscles, big eyes, proportions that aren't humanly possible? Um, I immediately think of Barbies because I – or Bratz yes. dolls were my thing. Bratz because dolls. Bratz dolls had huge hips, huge boobs, huge lips. I know. It was almost kind of weird. It was. It, well, it's like <laughs> – it was like setting the Kardashians up for fame, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was Truly. a little girl. I had broad shoulders. I had narrow hips. I have thin lips. Mm-hmm. And that's totally fine in my 30s postpartum. I think all of those things are beautiful now. But as a kid, I did not. So I really wish maybe I did not have mm-hmm. those dolls yeah. as a child. And I think that Barbie's doing a lot better. Yeah. Um, I think that they're... Been, I haven't really scanned, like, the Barbie dolls. Sunny has, like, little princess dolls. Yeah. That, but they're all, like the child version so they're like the baby version of the princesses so yeah we haven't bought her any like adult barbie has a chelsea doll i know my 
sister-in-law got her her first Barbie. Okay. I'd say that with quotations. And it's a Chelsea doll. And it's a child. Hmm. Just a little box body. Mm-hmm. A you box know? body. Yeah. That's what all of a little are. A yeah. box body. So I think there are more healthy options. Because I think for girls, we've realized this is a problem. And for boys, we haven't. Yeah. And I cannot tell you the amount of men that I know or have known that obsess over being too skinny or too fat. Absolutely. They don't look like the guys on TV. This is not a girl's issue. And your little boys are not safe. And Mm -hmm. I make sure because my husband um, is very educated. He was a CrossFit trainer. And he really enjoys feeling very strong and like enjoys his body functioning well. And I do think he has a healthy mindset around it. But when we first got married, there were comments Mm. like, oh, this measurement isn't up to par. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we've had a lot of conversations like you cannot talk about your body in front of our child. He's a a little boy and I don't ever want him. And, you know, my husband's 6'4 and he's lean. Um, And when he was a teenager, you know, he was a little lanky as a 6'4 lean man is. And I'm sure he was super self-conscious about that. I'm sure my son has the you know potential to be super self-conscious about that and I never want that same way I don't want my little girl to be self-conscious about you know if she has broad shoulders and thin hips like I do so this is definitely not yeah that's a good point it's not so all of those little like G.I. Joe dolls (laughs) Noah has a trash truck I know they're all like ripped they're ripped he's a trash truck driver with the most insane bodybuilder's body I've ever seen he drives a trash truck okay like it's not cool It's not cool. Yeah. Um, our point number five is just promoting body positivity. I think there's a fine line between, like, promoting, like, everything is okay. Amanda and I are not those kind of people where we're just, like, you know, you kind of going with the ways of the world that's just, like, everything is okay all of the time. And no matter what you are or what you believe, like, everything is okay. I don't think that that is Mm-mm. how we should be raising our children. So, when I say body positivity, it's like we need to be talking more about the gender and the body stereotypes that we see on ads and on social media and like talking to our kids about that and saying like, okay, so maybe there's a commercial that came on and, you know, you you pause the TV and you're like, okay, let's talk about what is like right and wrong with this situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And just kind of like have that ongoing conversation where you're shedding once again food and bodies in a positive light um, that's promoting health and nourishment instead of punishment restriction and the negative so when I say body positivity it's like referring to those things positively instead of negatively how are you feeling how are you functioning yeah listen to your body does this food make you feel like crap don't eat it yeah does this food make you feel strong and healthy eat it eat it absolutely Um, And then point number six, we've touched on it a lot. So I'll just make that one brief. But like just limit screen time. Avoid social media. Yeah. No one understand that your child's brain cannot yet determine reality from fantasy. And putting them into those situations is super dangerous. I don't know if you've seen The Social Dilemma. It's a a documentary on Netflix. But a lot – like most people who run Facebook and Instagram do not allow their children to be on that app until they are 16 Mm -hmm. or older. It's very interesting. You should watch it. I'm not going to go into all of it, but just watch it because there are a lot of – like research articles and data and facts that back up that your brain your child's brain cannot tell the yeah. difference between reality and fantasy until they're 16 I know. so that's, that's really sad yeah so you know we can just go ahead and recap some more things that we can be doing in our home um some ways that we can just be promoting a healthier lifestyle for our children without promoting the diet culture 
mentality. Yeah. Um, um, first thing, give yourself grace. Uh, we were all taught diet culture. I know the generation in which you were raised. <laughs> mm-hmm. We were all taught diet culture. It's going to take time to deprogram yourself and remove the demonization of food from your vocabulary vocabulary and thoughts. And you might not ever do that. Um, yeah. Just give yourself grace and don't punish yourself when you slip up. You just got to be more conscious of the way you verbalize it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like we've kind of said earlier, like we need to shift the focus away from our weight teach our children that their bodies are going to grow and they're going to change and that it's like a beautiful and wonderful thing like I even first see myself sitting down with Sunny when she gets pregnant someday just to be like okay so this is what's going to happen like here's your little like teenage body here's your adolescent body here's your college athlete body and here's your motherhood body yeah and like this is why they're all different different and they're all beautiful um so just to recap that demoralize food too Uh, We've said this a lot, but restore your own relationship with food enough to recognize that food is neutral and everything is okay in moderation. Um, Foods hold no moral value and guilt is a moral emotion. If you feel guilt and shame when you eat certain foods, it's something to address in yourself and try to reverse so you don't pass it on to your kids. Focus on how it makes them feel, how it makes them function, and let them decide. We don't keep a lot of like really bad food in our house. Like that's not like an option for Noah a lot of times. I always have something sweet, always. Mm -hmm. There's always some kind of sugar or treat in my house. So like at um, one of the things I do is at dinner when Noah says he wants a treat, I put it on his dinner plate Mm -hmm. because I'm not going to say you have to eat all of this dinner food before you get dessert because that's going to be a – that's just creating binge eating. Which is also how a lot of us were raised. It is, yeah. And then also – so like, you know, if your kid goes to a birthday party and there's a cupcake, if they're not allergic to it, just let them eat the cupcake, yeah. <laughs> you know? And then just learning the difference between diet and nutrition. So when we're talking about diet, we're talking about restrictions. We're talking about, you know, negativity. And when we're talking about nutrition, we're talking about like foods that are nourishing. And like we've talked about this whole episode, this is just yeah. a recap, like, how can we be more aware of our verbiage so yeah. that instead of we're saying like we're on this a is diet. a good food or we're on a diet, we're talking about like what's the most nutrient dense thing that we can have for lunch today, you know, yeah. um, but yeah. still leaving room for a moderation for a treat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then practice intuitive eating. So this is we want to talk a little bit about this. Yeah. Um, if you want to regain trust with your body, you want to feel physically, mentally, emotionally pleasant. Um with the way your body is functioning um, and you're not dieting, like this is going to be for you. Intuitive eating, um, you're integrating instinct, emotion, and rational thought. It's very evidence-based in its approach. The intention of like fad diets and intermittent fasting, keto, and low-carb is weight loss Mm -hmm. based on external rules that build distrust with your body. At its core, all fad diets ingrain in you that you can't trust your body and to ignore your body's internal cues that are literally just trying to keep you alive at the end of the day so let's talk a little bit about what intuitive eating is and how we like teach it within our homes yeah this honestly changed the game for me with like eating disorder diet culture all that kind of stuff this was something that um, my therapist Eli had taught me when I was I think in high school or like early college um, because I had like built a distrust with my own body so Mm -hmm. when we say that like there's this trust connection with your mind and your body and when your body sends you a hunger cue it's trusting that you're going to feed it Mm -hmm. and when you ignore your hunger cues and say you go into a a period of starvation 
when your body goes into starvation mode, you start to lose trust with your body and your body actually starts to hold on to fat more than it would because it is not trusting that you're going to feed it anytime soon. So when you're going these long periods without eating, you're trying to starve yourself or you're eating very minimal calories or fats, um, you're actually like long-term doing the opposite. You're destroying your metabolism and you're telling your body that... I'm not going to feed you when you're hungry. So fend for yourself, yeah. essentially. So it's holding on to these fat, these mm-hmm. big fat stores it, in it our body. It goes into survival mode. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so it's actually like doing the opposite purpose. And when I learned that, I was like, oh my goodness, like I want my body to trust me and I want, you know, its cues to be honored. And it just felt like such a like natural process to start listening and, and hearing like, okay, my body's craving this. How can I give that to my body without feeling guilty trusting that there's something in that food that I actually need right now like that's such a divine gift we're given is like the mind body communication and you have the ability to discern okay I just ate this food how did it make me feel and we can teach our children that Mm -hmm. and a good way to do this when you have toddlers um is I I actually label colors of food so like orange foods Mm -hmm. like oranges and carrots and things like that Mm -hmm. they make your eyes see more yeah meats you know make your muscles go or grow bigger and um green vegetables which this is not even true it's just something i tell my kid green leafy vegetables make you run faster yeah Um, but always tying food to a function yeah um and then also the other thing that i've always done with noah is we've always eaten on demand Mm. always ever since you know he was born i have never done a schedule it has always been eat- eating yeah, on demand. we've done the same thing but it needs to continue into toddlerhood yeah. and childhood if my kid says he's hungry it's an hour before dinner i'm gonna give him a snack yeah. i give him options he might say oh i want that cookie i'm like oh that's not on the menu right now right. i can you know we can do ham rolls he really likes i buy um oh gosh what's that called no no nitrates uncured like ham and salami so we just roll those up and he can have quick little ham bites or i'll give him options your options are ham rolls yogurt a piece of cheese Mm -hmm. what do you want and i give him a bunch of choices and he chooses yeah his body's telling him i think ham rolls sound really good and i give him that yes i think that's really important even when it's like not at a convenient time just like honoring learning them teaching them how to honor their hunger cues Sunny will often ask for a banana before she goes to bed or an apple. And so it's been like, okay, we've just laid down. We did all of our prayers. We read all of our books. (laughs) We brush our teeth. And now you want, you know, a banana. But it's like, I'm going to teach her, like, if you're hungry, like, you eat. And that's okay. And it doesn't matter what hour of the day that is, you know. Especially when this is a child who was breastfed overnight for two years. Like, she's still learning, you know, body still needs those calories. Yeah. And you do the same thing. So we were talking about intuitive eating, but do the same thing with your body. If you're feeling hungry, go eat. Yeah. And if you know you're trying, if you really do want to avoid food dyes and seed oils, just don't keep those things in your house. And yeah. when you're having a craving, you're not going to have that option. And and the same thing with your children. Don't have it in your house. They're yeah. not going to have that option. But give yourself options. Listen to what your body is telling you. Yeah. And you can even look up like there are things that your body will crave. Like if you're wanting to eat ice all the time, that's typically a sign of like iron deficiency. Yeah, that is interesting. If you're constantly craving chocolate, that's typically a sign you're magnesium deficient. So there are things you can look into if you're constantly Little craving signals. this one food and you're still yeah. craving it day after day after day. Mm-hmm. Maybe just Google it. <laughs> yeah, there's and there's so many books on intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. But I think the concept behind it is like you actually would never – 
over or under eat if you were simply just listening to your body. Mm -hmm. Like your body would not allow you to become obese. Yeah. Your body would not allow you to get into a state of disease um, if we are building that relationship. So it's kind of like, I don't know, your relationship with the Lord. Like if you're not listening to him actively, you kind of forget what his voice sounds like. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think the same is true with our bodies. Like if we're, if we've spent 20 years ignoring those cues and shaming those cues and telling them they're bad and they're wrong, it's going to take some time to build back up that trust of like, okay, this is what this means. And like, I'm trusting that I'm going to eat this and it's not going to make me gain 10 pounds because my body said that this is what I needed. And the more we build that connection, the more my metabolism is going to regulate, my hormones are going to regulate. And it's not going to be this like constant battle. It'll just be a normal part of the human process and when you let yourself eat every time you're hungry you're not going to overeat eventually you might still there are pathological like binge eaters that is not who i'm referring to right now but like if you are respecting the way your body feels you're going to stop eating when you're full if you know the next time i'm hungry i'm just going to go get what i want yeah totally there's no need to overeat because when yeah when you're not restricted you don't feel the need to overcompensate later Mm -hmm. on yeah um so um for my mamas who are listening that um are believers and use the Bible as a tool to teach your children more about how to navigate the world. I have some verses that I want to share with you that you can go look up and write down um, and maybe put on sticky notes, teach them, you know, we're doing memory verses with Sunny. I don't really think they're ever too young if they're talking Mm -hmm. to start um, doing some of that. But the first one is Psalm 139, 14, 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4. Proverbs 31 30, 1 Samuel 16 7, 1 Corinthians 6 19 through 20, and Ephesians 2 10. Um, and in all of this, like, especially with that verse in Ephesians, it's like we're called to so much in this life, and God has such amazing plans for all of us. And I think when we get so caught up in these little minuscule things, like, we've gotten our eyes off of the goal. And I think our insecurities more often than not are going to hold us back from God's plan for our lives. Um, We're not going to be feeling capable to step into what he has for us. And we're going to hold ourselves back every time. And so just putting our eyes um, where they belong and it's not on ourselves and our our earthly bodies. Like we need to get our eyes off of ourselves. Shift your focus outward. Shift your focus. (laughs) Okay. And one last thought that honestly just like hit me in a different way too is on your deathbed or at your funeral are people going to remember how much you weighed or the size of the clothes you wore are they going to remember the way that you navigated relationships yourself your life raising your kids your workplace um I just think like when we put this issue back in its proper place um we're able to see truly like how magnificent life really is and how much is out there for us and it has nothing if anything to do with like the way that we look yeah and remember the way that you feel about your children and the way their bodies look their chubby little hands mm-hmm. their dimples their little thigh rolls I know. god loves you that same way yeah. regardless of what you look like you are beloved to yeah. him like and, and nothing you do is going to change that yeah. and you know the way you look he's not going to care so yeah try to love your body and see your body through the eyes of god yes i love that 
have you ever seen those like videos that um it's like this person and they're just like walking on a sidewalk and then it keeps zooming out until you see the state that they're living in and then it keeps zooming out till you see the country they're living yeah. out and then it zooms out to the entire world and you see this like planet spinning yeah. on this axle and then you like zoom out to the solar system and it's and like, like a black hole yeah. next to our solar system yeah, yeah it's like this reminder of like how minuscule we all really are which yeah. is like not in a not in a way to sound demeaning but more so in a way to like comfort that we are truly just like a vapor in the wind and like our life is going to come and go and these things are so monumental in like consuming our mind in the meantime like I'm even just preaching to myself right right now like I'm just like this is such a minuscule thing in the grand scheme of 100% life and our purpose and I love those like Instagram posts you see that it's like I'm 30 and I wish I had my 20-year-old body. I'm 40. I wish I had mm-hmm. my 30-year-old body. You're always yeah. <laughs> going to look back on your body and you're going to be grateful for that body. Yeah, that outsider perspective. Yeah. We're way harder on ourselves than what is true. Yeah. Right. But now we're just rambling. Thank you for... <laughs> <laughs> this is clearly important to us. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us. Um, we are so excited about our next series. We're going to be diving into relationships. Um, so stay tuned for that. So grateful for you guys. See you next time. Thank you for listening and remember that you were chosen to be the mother of your children and you are exactly where you need to be. See See you you next week. week.